Just uh, another reminder, which I forgot to put on the notices for Katie, was that tonight's prayer meeting. So um, from five to six this evening, there's prayer meeting. So I'm going to pray and then we'll just look straight at the word. Father, I thank you that we can come together and worship you. But also, Lord, I I thank you that you speak. (coughs) And this morning, as we look at your word, I pray that you would speak through me, but also speak to all of us, that um, we would hear you clearly in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, actually, Katie, can you come share what you shared with me during worship? Yeah, during worship, I just saw a picture of what looked like a real big stronghold, um, like a, a, a stone wall that was very intimidating. And I just felt like it was something that was keeping you trapped and feeling like that was something almost that defined you or was something that was there. And it was a permanence. And God was actually... I felt like God was saying, cry out and ask God to change the situation. And what I saw was that 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 what looked like a giant stone wall became stone steps. He had like nudged it through and it made like a pathway. And then it was a sense of going up and over into the land that was on the other side. And what I felt God say was that that was like what James has been talking about, about possessing our inheritance and walking into that land and actually taking responsibility for it and walking into the things that God has for us and not letting that that thing that looks intimidating or that thing that's there become uh, a stronghold that limits you but actually see it as a pathway to overcome and trust God that he'll make a way so you can go over and into the things of God. Cool. Thank you. So I'm going to carry on in the similar <coughs> theme to what we have been looking at. Someone once said that, um, I can't remember who it is, maybe one of you would remember, that uh, if you do the same thing over and over again, that is, is what? Insanity. Who said that? Some people attribute it to Einstein. Well, well that, that, that's, that's one way to look at it. I think there's some things that if you do the same thing over and over again, expecting a change, that is insanity. But on the other side... Sometimes doing the same thing over and over again is actually an issue of faith, not insanity. So there's part truth in what he said, even if he was Einstein. So there, and our challenge is this, is to work out, is what I'm doing over and over again insanity or faith? Because that's the big question. To do the same thing over and over again, and it's not God... It is insanity. But just to stop doing something because you haven't seen a change might actually be working against what God's saying for us to do in faith. So I want you just to hold that concept in the back of your minds this morning. We're going to look at, again, just look at not so much Caleb, but over the last while there's been a lot that I preached on around and from the account of the nation of Israel coming from uh, Egypt into the promised land or, or about to go into the promised land even from a point of the, of, um, at the very beginning of the year it wasn't from, from this passage of scripture but from Isaiah where we, where we looked at forget the former things, do not dwell in the past, see I'm doing something new and then in the <coughs> two weeks of prayer that we had there's some, uh, a clear focus that's come through about letting go of the past and moving on to the things of the, uh, what God has for us. Um, and we looked at, um, also this year we've looked at looking 
where they crossed the Jordan into the promised land, the memorials, remember that? The, the pillar of the, the stones that were collected from the middle of the river as set up as a memorial to remind of the faithfulness of God, the memorials of his grace. We looked at his faithfulness. We looked at being, um, following him wholeheartedly with a different spirit and all those different things. And this morning I want to add to that and, and look around that, but also a little bit more from what I just sense God's been saying through the, the time of prayer, but also what I sense he's saying to us as a church. And uh, <coughs> the scripture this morning is in Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy is actually, um, you could say it's Moses speaking to the next generation of Israelites where he um, actually recounts or, or, or goes over the account of what has happened and to get them to the point where they are. So it's him speaking to that next generation, not the ones who rebelled against God, but their children. That next generation of fighting men and of fighting age that we're about to go in. And he goes through and he speaks all about what God has done. Uh, and then he, he, he revisits again in the central part of the book of Deuteronomy the, the laws that God had given. And they're going back to what God had given on, uh, on Mount Sinai and then adds a few other things. And then goes on and speaks to them about going into the land with courage and boldness. And towards the end of Deuteronomy, he poses this question to them. He says, that I lay before you life and death, life and blessing or, 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 or rebellion and sin and death, but choose life, but choose life. And so we have that choice. But it starts off in Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 6. Speaking about the very beginning where, not the very beginning, but when they, uh, the Israelites were in the, the desert and they hadn't rebelled against God yet. They, hadn't, they had come out of Egypt and they were about to go into, well, they were supposed to go into the promised land. And um, Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 1 and verse 6 says this, and says, The Lord said to them at Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go into all the neighboring peoples in the Arabah, in the mountains, in the western foothills, in the Negev, and along the coast, in the land of the Canaanites, and and to Lebanon, as far as the great river Euphrates. See, I have given you this land. Go in, take possession of the land that the Lord has sworn to you, uh, that he would give your fathers to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. So he's basically said, you've stayed here at Horeb long enough. Now go. Go and take the land. And we know what happens, that they, they go and they send the spies out, they come back and they rebel and then they don't do that. And then God has to deal with them and they wander around the desert for 40, 40 years and, uh, and then we have the next generation that comes up and that's the generation that God's speaking to. But God's plan was for them to come and to go in and take hold of that which they've given. And even, um, uh, even that generation later when they're about to go through their times where God tells them, now... Uh, I think it's in Deuteronomy chapter 2, where God says, go north, go north, go this way, and go along here and carry on through. But this morning, I want to pick up on, the, on, on that phrase, that you've stayed at this mountain long enough, now break camp and go and take your inheritance. And that's why I didn't bring, ask Katie to share that in the middle of the worship, but rather now, because that picture speaks about uh, that wall that holds in order to, and that God wants us to overcome and go into and take the inheritance. And so this morning, that's what I want to look at is, I believe God has got new things in store for us that we've been saying. He's spoken clearly this year and the end of last year about that. 
And we need to be those who pick up, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? And where do we need to step into? Some of those things will be to continue to do what he's told us to do because that's a faith-filled act of obedience. But there are also other things that is more like going around the mountain, that God's saying, that's enough. Stop going around the mountain, whether it's in your own life or corporately, stop going around the same things over and over again. It's time to get breakthrough and move into what I've called you to, to take possession of what I've called you to. And for us to walk in the fullness of what God has for us, we have to deal with those things that cause us to go around the mountain. One of the prophetic words that we prayed into during the time of prayer through in the prayer meetings, you will remember, was that was brought to us a, a number of years ago, probably about, oh, I don't know, the kids were really, really small. I think Reuben and Ella were one and a half, so that's what? Two and a half. Two. One and a half. They're 20 now. So anyway. But the word was this, is that um, taking the picture of Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, one means that God has caused me to forget the pain of my past, and the other is God has brought me into place of double blessing or, or, or blessing. And that we have to God, allow God to take us through the first to forget the pain of the past and, and then see the fruitfulness of the double blessing. So there's lots of different things that have come through over the last while, but one of those things that I believe God is wanting from us, both in our individual lives but also corporately, is to deal with the things that cause us to go around the mountains, that cause us to go around, because God's saying, stop, you've done that enough, now move forward. And if we see what God's spoken through, there's so many different things that we can see in that, but it requires us to change requires us to change our view our attitude maybe some of our uh, the things that we do in order to step into like that where the in order to stop those things that we're holding back to become the stepping stones to what god has for us for the future does that make sense yeah. scripture says that the kingdom of god is advancing and forceful men take hold of it that's that sense of God, I don't want to stay where I am. There's a hunger and a desire and a passion to move beyond, to see God move, to see the power of the Holy Spirit come, to see freedom, to see joy, to see fruitfulness, to see people transformed by the power of God. Surely there's so much more. And you see, if we, if, if, if we just let things carry on, we run the risk of becoming mediocre and lukewarm, and missing what God has for us, and with all our best intentions still wandering around the desert, rather than going into what God has for us as a church community and also individually. You see, we need to, I think, aggressively combat the things in our lives that stop us moving into what God has for us, or that keep us going around the mountain. That means that we need to deal with those things that stop us living kingdom values, kingdom ways. And his kingdom is, when his kingdom is present in our lives, it's his presence, his power, his law, his, his grace, his love expressed, his precepts, his ways, everything needs to be expressed in our lives. That means that we need to live according to his word, live according to the truth that he pre- speaks. 
and allowed to transform every part of our lives so that we become an example, but also that we live in the fruitfulness of what that means. You see, it's on the cross that Jesus dealt with sickness and disease and sin, and he, he gained the victory. So, so we are in like a battle. Scripture says we're in a battle. It's not like, well, there's a battle going on, and you can go be part of it if you want to. So as you get saved, I think even as you are born, there's a battle for your soul. And as we get saved, we, we, we then understand that actually we're no longer fighting the enemy in our own strength. And we're no longer fighting for victory, we're fighting from victory. Because Jesus has won the victory, and so we live from that place of, Jesus, you have won the victory, help me to walk in that victory. But we choose as to whether we just allow everything to go around and get caught up in everything, or actually step into what God has for us. I think if we, and, and if we misunderstand what that means... And just think, well, actually, we're just going to cruise along. And we remove that urgency from life as a believer of taking ground for the kingdom in our own lives and corporately. Then I think we lose something of the power, or, the, or so we lose our understanding of the power of the cross. Because you and I can live with victory. We can live in the power of Jesus because we are his children and he's done the price, paid the price already. But what that means is we can't afford to go around carrying the baggage of the past. We can't afford to carry on tomorrow as we did yesterday with the things that keep us going round and round. And those, those things could be attitudes, it could be sin, it could be also, we're going to look at some different things, but we need to deal with those things to move on because God says, like here, I believe in, in, in Deuteronomy, enough is enough. Yes. It's now time to break camp and go. Enough is enough. Don't wander around the same mountain. And sometimes I think we, have, we can wander around the mountain so long that we forget that it's a mountain. It becomes almost like this false comfort that we are get comfortable with how we've lived or the pain or whatever's gone before. It can also be victory and success. But we get so comfortable that with those things that we forget that it's a mountain that we need to go over. And we just camp there because it's safe and it's secure and it's comfortable. And that's not where God has, wants us. Because it's not the promise of where he's called us to. It's not what he's called us to do. It's not what he's called us to be. There's, the kingdom of God is always advancing and we need to walk with him in those things. You see, in order for us to change or move from the mountain, we need to adjust how we see it. We need to adjust how we view our lives. We need to adjust how we live our lives and then move with God. See, when the nation of Israel eventually did get to the promised land, things changed. The manna stopped. God provided manna for them in, in, in the desert. When they went into the promised land, the manna stopped. How, how they had behaved in the past was supposed to change. They were supposed to. They went across the Jordan. They went and they destroyed Jericho. 
And God's instruction to them when they went and took Jericho was this, is destroy the whole thing and don't take anything, anything for yourself. And yet there was one man who did. He took some of the gold things and, and hid them under his tent. His name was Achan. And so then they went to the next city, which is Ai, in order to, to take possession of that. And Joshua said, well, we don't need so many men, only this amount goes. So they go and they got totally beaten. Because one man had not dealt with the issues and had sinned. And one man meant that the entire nation stopped. Because he had disobeyed God. Do you remember? And, and you might think, well, and, and, and then eventually God, Joshua calls out to God. God speaks. God says, and they bring uh, tribe by tribe, clan by clan, family by family, until it comes down to him and his household. And, and he, he admits that he's hidden these things, and this is what he did. And, and God deals with him. And you, when you read, you think, man, that is severe. Because he, his family, and everything that belonged to them were stoned to death, burnt, and covered with rubble. That's how God dealt with it. And then the nation moved on, and they won victory and moved on. It didn't stop their rebellion, because we see that there's a cycle that happened. But the point is this, you see, they did the first time around, they didn't go into the nation, into the inheritance, because they rebelled against God. Then God dealt with that entire generation and said, I will raise up the next generation and they will go into the inheritance as well as Joshua and Caleb. And the very first thing that someone does is rebel against God. So he sorts it out. Why? Because it mustn't become a pattern. We see as they were wandering around the nation, wandering around the desert. We'll look at this in a little while, maybe I remember it again. Grumbling and complaining. Remember Miriam and Aaron started grumbling and complaining. They wanted, well, who does Moses think he is? We just as good as he is. What about us? And then the whole nation stops. Because God deals with Miriam and she becomes leprous. And has to go out the camp and then Moses cries out for her healing. And and God is gracious and brings healing. But the whole nation has to wait for the purification. One person. You see, and, and this isn't to put condemnation, but it's hopefully to stir us to realization. And I, said, I think I said this last year in one of the preachers, that when we looked at the body, and every person is a part of the body, and every part of the body impacts or has a role to play, but every part of the body impacts the rest of the body. And so here we see that outworked in the Old Testament, thank the Lord for his grace and his mercy that there's no stoning and burning and earthquakes to swallow us up but there's still that sense of God's awesomeness that says actually I've got more for you don't put aside all that stuff that's stopping you going into what I've called you to Put aside the way of thinking, put aside the disobedience, put aside the rebellion, put aside the sin, put aside the, the things of the past and follow me wholeheartedly. Follow me with, with reverence and awe and purity and, and uh, whatever God says, that's what we'll do because there's so much more. 
But if we to walk in the inheritance that God has for us, we need to change how we view our lives and how we live. There are some things that we need to carry on doing that are biblical, godly principles and patterns and disciplines, and don't change those. But I've been praying this week that this morning as we look at this, that God would arrest each one of us and say, that's what you need to change. And for some it might be huge things, and for others it might be just an attitude, which in the sight of God is also huge. But I really do believe that if we're hungry for more of God and we want to see God move and we see the fruitfulness of God, it requires us to change. I'm nowhere, anywhere on my notes. I don't know where I am. So, and for once they typed and now it's just a mess. It's much better when I write them by hand. I feel this for us, in order for us to walk in the inheritance that God has for us, we need to choose to raise the bar in our lives. We need to choose to raise the bar in our lives and to deal radically with the mountains that we've encamped around. And so I want to look at a few things that I think, I believe, are some of those things that we can camp at and be comfortable with that God wants to deal with. And this isn't an exhaustive list. This, these are just five things I think God is wanting us to deal with now. Apart from the things of, the ob- there are some obvious things, which I'm not going to cover, but let me just mention. It's like, sin, deal with it. That's quite simple. If you're in sin, stop it. Simple. It's a choice. Because you have victory in Jesus If you need help, find someone to pray with you, but that sorts out. It's not to say some of these other things are sin, but in different ways, but I don't want to spend a lot of time on that. To me, that's kind of obvious. Deal with the issues. Deal with those things. But I think from what we've had through the prayer time, and also these are some of the things I feel God is highlighting now, and the first is the past. We looked at Isaiah 43 at the beginning of the year, which was forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. And that's us moving with God. And some of those things, I think we, we need to deal with those things so that, like I said last week, I think it was last week, that we can look to the future with courage. Because we've allowed God, and remember that word from Ephraim, about Ephraim Manasseh, allowed God to heal the pain of the past, heal the things of the past. And we need to move on from those things, whether those things are, and those could be also some of the successes, could be some good things in the past, but we can't dwell there. Remember, I spoke, I think I spoke about that last week, about not dwelling in the past, remembering his faithfulness in the past, so that we are turning our gaze to him, and then we can look to the future with courage. But there's also, don't allowing, not allowing our past experiences uh, to dictate our actions today or the future. Except if that action is one of faith. This is a negative, looking at the negative side. Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 says, One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I pursue God. You see, we need to have our focus on where God's called us to 
not where we've been. During the prayer meeting this morning, Guy reminded us of the passage of Scripture, I think it's in 1 Kings 18, with Elijah and his servant, where he sends them out to go and look, and there's a cloud as small as a man's fist. And he says, go and prepare, we're running. Why? Because the presence of God comes. And he was just encouraging us to pursue what God has called us to. At the moment, it might look small in the distance, but we run to God. Not allowing the things of the past to dictate how we behave or what we see, but focusing on Him. Remember when Abraham and when the account of Abraham and, and Lot and all of those guys, when God deals with Sodom and Gomorrah, He tells Lot and his wife to leave and not look back. And it says she, she turned and she turned and, and looked back and she came, became a pillar of salt. Just because it wasn't just she glanced back, it was, I believe, it was because there was a longing for. Rather than obeying God and going forward, there was a, a hankering after. And we see the same thing with the nation of Israel. As soon as they get a bit, it gets a little bit hard, they start hankering after the leeks and the onions and the garlic of, of, of Egypt and forget all the other nonsense. And they want to create a different leader and go back to Egypt. And you think, how? But that's what happens if we dwell on those things. And we live in those things and hanker after them. And I believe God's saying, don't hanker after the past. Don't revisit the things of the past. Deal with those things. The, give, the, give Him glory for the successes, but the pain and the hurt and the disappointments or anything else, allow God to deal with that. You see, if we, if we hanker after it or revisit it constantly, we go around the mountain again. We go around the mountain again. And we go around the mountain again. And it's so often we see where, and, and I know it's not to reduce the pain that some have faced over things in the past in your lives. But allow the Holy Spirit to come and bring healing. So it's forgetting the pain of the past. So that we move on to the fullness of what God has for us. Understand, sometimes that's really difficult. But too often, I've seen people revisiting and not leaving it with Jesus. And not allowing the Holy Spirit to come and bring healing. But they constantly go back, constantly go back. And then that which was the past suddenly becomes, like Katie was saying, a wall around. Which stops you going forward and then you're comfortable living with all of that. And it becomes so much part of your identity that you then, it's, it's better to live with the pain of that memory than to go into the unknown of freedom, which is such a sad place to be. But it's not where God would have you to be. Even over the time of, of, of praying where God was bringing those things up, and, and it's good that we, he, he highlighted that for us, that we see them, but we don't dwell there. Say, so God, that's it. Now, now, God, I give you that. Help me to come to healing. Help me to come to wholeness, to, to, to allow you by your Spirit to come and bring restoration and, and freedom and joy again so that I can be whole and move into what you have for me rather than be stuck by those things. If, if that's you this morning, you feel, actually, I've, I've been camping in the hurt of the past. Hear what God says. It's time to break camp. Not in your own strength, but give it to Him. 
and allow the Holy Spirit to come and bring healing and wholeness to your life and those relationships and, and the stuff that's gone on and there's forgiveness and there's grace and there's mercy so that we can move forward in him. The other part of the past is sometimes our disappointments or our failures. We camp at those. So we try something, might be try something in God, it might be try something in ministry, it might be try something in your, I don't know, your, your life and work or whatever, and you think this, and, and, and maybe you did that because you stepped out in faith, thinking this is what I really believe God told me to do. So you do that and it doesn't turn out like you thought it was going to turn out. And so your view of it is, well, I've failed. We all make mistakes. And, and, and yes, there's God's grace and everything else, but we all make mistakes and we learn from those. But too often, what we see is where there's been something that we viewed as a failure of the past, or a disappointment of the past, or we then camp there and say, well, I'm not going to try that again. I'm not going to do that. I tried that before and it didn't work. And so our confidence in God is then knocked. Might be that actually you you feel God's given you a a word to come as as a contribution during a meeting. And it takes you a long time to come forward. And then then whoever's leading the meeting feels actually it's not quite right for now. It might be for something else. And you think, well, I'm never doing that again. That's being robbed. That's being robbed. So our past failures or disappointments or successes we need to deal with and because otherwise that, that fear cripples us from stepping into what God has for us. And our confidence in Him is reduced. When actual fact, when we put our gaze and fix our focus on Him, that should be increased. You see, when, God, when Moses was handing, going to be handing over to Joshua, God tells Moses to encourage and strengthen Joshua. We read that in Deuteronomy 1, 38. And then we read the account where, where God speaks directly to Joshua. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, in three days, summing across, be of courage, be full of strength. Be strong and courageous. Be strong. God says it time and time again. Why? Because we need God's strength and God's courage in order to overcome the failures of the past, the disappointments of the past, things that we think, well, I've messed that up. Or, or maybe it's someone else did something that you think, well, I've experienced that, and so now I'm not going to do this. And so we have this knee-jerk reaction that determines how we live today because of what's gone on before. Rather than saying, God, I understand all of that. Is, and, and we can't take, we're not responsible for what other people do and say. We're responsible for how we respond. How we respond to that. And allow the Holy Spirit to come and move us. But I think it's time that we would rise up and step out and not shrink back or bow down. But deal with the things that have been there, that have just held us captive in stepping forward in the things of Him. Because maybe it's been disappointment. Or we've perceived it as failure. You see, in all those things, in past hurts and past failures and past disappointments, and even in all of those things, if we camp there and we revisit them, our focus becomes inward rather than Godward. And when our focus starts 
coming on to ourselves, whether it be pain or pity or whatever it is, and not on him, it's so much harder for our faith to be increased. Because everything is then about me and my world. Rather than, God, you're victorious. God works in ways we don't understand, but when he is, fa- he is always faithful and can bring freedom and fullness of life. But we need to deal with those things that have held us, deal with attitudes towards people who've hurt. If we don't, then we bind ourselves up and we allow, we run the risk of allowing bitterness and unforgiveness to set in that brings destruction. And it's a mountain we live at rather than overcome and go with him. And the only way we can do that is to come to Jesus and ask Jesus to come and bring wholeness and healing. Ask the Holy Spirit to do it because we can't change it ourselves. We have the choice, but God's the one who does the work. But we need to deal with it quickly. I'm not going to get through five things today. I'll probably pick up on the rest tomorrow. I mean, not tomorrow. But you're welcome to come tomorrow. I'll preach tomorrow to whoever's here next Sunday. You can see my week's very quick. I hope this is making sense, and I hope it's helpful. So the one is the past. And I think connected with that, but as a separate one, is critical. If we become critical in our thinking or in our, uh, and our, and our words that we speak, it causes us to go around the mountain. That's what happened with Miriam and Aaron when they were critical of Moses. And God dealt with it. But you see, no matter how justified we feel we might be in giving an opinion or a critical opinion on something, it really has no place in the heart of a believer. When we understand God's love for us and God's grace and his heart for the body and how he speaks time and time again about the importance of unity, when we allow something of a critical spirit to come into our lives, it becomes destructive and divisive and rebellious. And when we look at how God has had to deal with that, the nation of Israel, individuals as a whole, we have to say, well, God, for us to move into the fullness of what you have for us, we need to deal with those things. So if you find that that's your natural default, seems to be critical. And I'm, not, I'm not meaning that we mustn't weigh things up. That's a different thing. Weighing something up and saying, was it right, is it wrong? It's not being critical. It's saying, actually, God, what are you saying in this? So that I can make a wise choice. Critical is that you know when it's critical because it's an issue of the heart and an attitude. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28 says, A perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends. 17.9 says, He who covers over an offense promotes love, but he who repeats a matter separates close, fr- close friends. Luke 11, Jesus speaks about a house divided against itself cannot stand. And all of that comes through from just a critical spirit, a critical attitude that grows. 
Scripture says that it's actually not a, there's no place for it. You can read it in James chapter 4 and Le- Leviticus 19, Ephesians 4, Titus 3, a number of times where God deals with that issue. And if we constantly, you see how these things all add together? If something's happened in the past that can then make us cynical and critical, the, if we don't let go of the past, we go around the mountain. If we kind of let go of the past to a degree, but are critical, we go around the mountain. And so it's saying, God, actually help me to adjust my perspective. Help me to adjust my attitude. Help me to view people and situations from your perspective, not mine. So that it actually I build people up. So be on your guard. If you feel that's the way you're coming out, stop. Just choose to stop. That's why I think the, the, the wisdom in the book of James is so incredibly important, which says, be slow to speak and slow to anger, but quick to listen. If we would just do that more and allow the Holy Spirit to change how we think, then those things of the past, critical attitudes, won't hold us around going around the mountain. And so, often we get involved in situations that we shouldn't do because we've opened our mouths. I think sometimes we justify getting involved because we think, well, that's wrong. We had that happen in a WhatsApp group, one of the WhatsApp group thingies that we, uh, I'm on. Someone said something, it's under the church once, someone said something that was nothing. It was really nothing, but it was like, well, that's a bit silly. That's not really, and it was like, I was so tempted to correct them. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to. I didn't, because I was slow to respond. And, and, it would, it, would have, it would have just created a, an, an issue that was unnecessary. You see, I think we need to be so wise as to know which battles you are not to get involved in. There are some things that God says you need to step in. But uh, there's also a heck of a lot that we should never get involved in. Because it's not a battle God wants us to fight. And we carry on. You know that when God spoke to the nation of Israel, and, and I'm going I'm to end only on point two, I'm not going to do the other three, otherwise we'll be here a while. Um, when the nation of Israel, uh, later on in, in um, Deuteronomy chapter two, I think it is, where he says, now go north and go this way, there's certain areas where God said, go through this path, but don't provoke them. Don't, don't go to war with them because I've given those people that land. It was the sons of Lot and the sons of other people. So there's some areas where actually where God had already moved and there was, uh, and later on you see God caused fear and terror for, uh, about the nation to grip the hearts of the, those people in the promised land. But there were certain areas where God said, go through here and don't provoke them. Don't get involved in an argument. Don't get in, you just go through. 
And then he said, and this area, just go through. And then he said, this area, now take it. There's sometimes where I think God's saying for us, just go through. Don't get involved. Don't provoke. Don't stick your nose where it shouldn't belong. Don't give a comment. No matter how justified you might feel you are, just go through. It's saying, God, show me what battles I must fight and what I mustn't. I think sometimes we're so stuck around a mountain because we've got involved in a battle that was never ours to get involved in. So two areas this morning. We'll look at some others next week. God is saying, it's time for us to move into more of what he has for us. The inheritance that he has for us, to, calling us to do and, and take ground. But in order for us to do that, we need to change. Change how we think. Change how we view the past. Don't... Don't let the past, the good, the bad, the painful, the ugly, don't let it restrict you from going into what God has for you. Today, let God come and bring healing and wholeness. And I'm going to end in a minute, and then we can go through for, for 10 coffee. But I would encourage you, there will be folks here who will be willing to stay and pray with people. Any of the leaders, you can stay, and please, please do that. But if, even if you need prayer, pray. But don't go home still bound by whatever has been on in the past or an attitude of being critical. It just requires humility and surrender to God. If we are genuinely hungry for more of the presence and power of God, we need to deal with our stuff. Don't go around the mountain again. Really don't. Allow the Holy Spirit to come and bring healing where there's been hurt. Allow him to bring freedom where you've been held. There might be other areas where God's spoken to you of this morning that actually would be really good to have someone pray with you. Don't go home without doing that. You've camped at this place long enough. Now go up and take the inheritance. Don't go around the mountain again. I really believe God wants to do that in our lives so that we can walk into the, what he has for us. I'm going to pray and then we'll close the meeting. After, Rob, after I've prayed, if you can just put some worship music on so that it's a little bit more, um, I don't know what it's called, helpful so others can't hear what you're talking to each other about, what, whatever that word is, it's gone out of my mind, discreet. It's just so that there's a place for God to work in our lives. Father God, I thank you that you love us, you work with us, you long for us to walk in freedom. Jesus, that you died on the cross so that we could walk in freedom. Father, I pray for every single one of us, those that are here today, those that are not here because they're away or sickness or whatever reason, but Lord, I pray for us as a church community, that as you're calling us into more of what you have for us. Father, that today we would choose not to go around the mountain, not to allow those things that have become walls around us to hold us down. But Lord, as we surrender to you, that there would be freedom, there would be healing, there would be wholeness, 
there would be joy, there would be faith, there would be confidence in you. Lord, where words that have been spoken by others in the past have created chains around people that have held them captive, and they feel like they're going around the same thing over and over again. Today, Lord, we break those words in Jesus' name, and we ask for freedom. Lord, where things have happened that have caused pain and hurt that is deep, Holy Spirit, you're the only one who can bring wholeness. I ask that you would do that today. Lord, where we've chosen to stay camped at things and revisited them time and time again and become comfortable, Lord, today we choose to lift our gaze to you, to leave those things at the cross and to move forward with you. Father, where we might have been critical, no matter how justified we feel, Lord, today we acknowledge that that is wrong. And we repent and we ask for forgiveness. Lord, above all else, I ask that you would come and move among us as your church family. That nothing would hold us back from walking in fruitfulness and fullness of life in you for the sake of your kingdom. Come and do the work today, Lord, we pray. In each one of us, for the sake of your kingdom and for our good. Lord, I thank you that you love us so much and you want us to be whole and healed and fruitful and free. Lord, do that today, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.